Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner, where we talk with other coaches and people who inspire, move, and motivate people to action. Listeners will learn about coaching and the many coaching niches and have an opportunity to ask questions of the many wonderful coaches who are my guests. We'll also take your questions and you might even have the opportunity for live coaching on our show. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission is to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and with my coaching help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com. If you're listening live and you want to call in with a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. And we also have a live chat room on the show page where you can join in and ask questions there. I'm especially excited today to have as my guest Angela Bird. Angela is the CEO and head coach of Cornerstone International, an Australian company that provides personal and executive coaching services to CEOs and organizations around the world. Angela has a lifetime of achievement well beyond her years in the field of supporting people and business through change and transformation. Her coaching is grounded in the field of psychology with a psychology degree from the Australian National University in Canberra. She holds numerous certifications in coaching, psychology, and related certifications and assessment tools. Among her many accomplishments, Angela is also one of my teachers at my coaching alma mater, International Coach Academy, which is based in Australia and holds all of its courses by teleclass. Angela was one of my teachers in school and, in fact, was the only teacher I had the privilege of meeting in person. Angela lives by the beach in the Gold Coast in Australia, and you can learn more, to, more about her at www.cornerstonecoaching.com.au. Angela, are you with me? Yes, indeed. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Angela. I didn't bring an apple for you today. <laughs> an apple for me today. Yeah, apple for the teacher. <laughs> well, I don't think, um, I think my days of teaching you are over, actually. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. That was a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. It's uh, it's it's lovely to see uh, students go on and do great things um, once they leave class, which you know I certainly believe you've done. Oh well, thank you. Oh, they, you could probably hear the police now coming to get me. Yeah. <laughs> it almost never fails, by the way, that as soon as I start this show, there come sirens come streaming up Broadway where I live. Well, that's it's the, just a coincidence. Yeah, we're just used to that in Australia because all the shows that we um, see that come from America, you know, always have the sirens in the background, you know, no matter what the show is, if it's a love story or if it's a homicide <laughs> or if it's CSI or it's, you know, some, there's always, you know, <laughs> something going on in the background for sure. That's because they shoot them right right by me. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Angela, you, you have uh, quite a diverse background in history. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like I almost have to say, like, what haven't you done? Well, it's true, uh, and I think um, I've probably been one of those people that um, I was very lucky that I had parents who never put pressure on me to to be or do anything, but gave me the opportunity from uh, a very young age to, you know, if I wanted to go diving, I did diving. If I wanted to ride horses, I had, you know. 
um, and, and they just sort of let me flip flop around and, and do whatever I wanted to do um, in in many ways. And um, because I'm, you know, a, one of my top strengths is creativity and curiosity. You know, I'm I'm always wanting to say, think about, well, you know, what if, you know, what would it be like to if I jumped out of an aeroplane? You know, that sounds like a really exciting thing. So all of those things I've done, um, and and many more. And I think that I've also <laughs> that that sort of um, tray has followed me into my work environment as well, where I've thought, gee, I wonder what it would be like to work in a bank, or I wonder what it would be like to, you know, um, work in the airlines, and, mm. and uh, you know. So um, I've had a very diverse career um, and an amazing, amazing job roles, and, and some very boring. And what I found was, uh, and probably one of the things that brought me to coaching was that, uh, for some strange reason, um, we, uh, in our younger lives, put ourselves into job roles which are, you know, probably expected of us, uh, normal roles. And me, being a nonconformist, put myself into very structured, very um, defined roles. You know, in airlines, in banking, in finance. Um, and what I found was that there was no room for creativity, which, of course, uh, being my strength, um, made me very unhappy. And so, you know, even as um, in banking, as a bank teller in the beginning, you know, I wanted to find creative ways to do, to do bank telling, <laughs> and um, and would get in trouble all the time. <laughs> what, what would be a creative way of doing bank telling? Oh, just not doing it the way that they wanted me to do it, you know, like uh, it was funny, you know, handwriting things rather than printing them out or, or, or you know, having having conversations with, with the people, you know, about their lives and, and uh, getting to know them was, you know, a cre- creative way, but it slowed down how quickly you got through things, you know. But it wasn't anything like making money origami. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, that, that's the structured thing. You see, that wouldn't ah. work for me. Yeah. So, so, um, so what I found was that in in a lot of the roles I had in my early life, I was, I wasn't, uh, I just didn't fit in. I was always, you know, in trouble, and um, and so when I came to coaching, I just I realised, well, hang on a minute, this is this is a thing that I can be me and enjoy being me. And you know, be the nonconformist and the creative in in my role, and uh, it's just worked superbly. Uh, and I think that you know, uh, that's not necessarily um, the requirement or the character strength for every coach. It's just the way that I coach and the way that I am with my clients, and the, and the type of people that I attract. It works, mm. uh, and and my style has actually really become. Um, my niche, the way that I do things is, is actually become my niche, which is that unconventional, um, non-conformist style of things, which is the same, as you know from teaching, is exactly the same way that I teach. I just you know, go with whatever comes up. Yeah, yeah and your classes were, were wonderful. Thank you. I remember them still. still. Yeah. So I, now you uh, have a background in, in psychology. Which came first, psychology or coaching? Um, psychology, it was quite interesting. I was working in an organisation. Um, I was married and, and pregnant and, and doing the whole um, family thing. 
um, still quite bored. I was producing a magazine for um, a, the Australian Fisheries Management Authority, and um, but what I was doing a lot of the time, at least 60% of the time, was really doing a lot of counselling work with the executives and people within the organisation. So it was kind of this unofficial role. Mm. Um, and, and no one ever said anything, and it seemed to work. Uh, so, you know, I, I quite enjoyed that role. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe I haven't, I haven't done any high school. I did high school, but I didn't have any formal qualification. So at the age of 37, I decided to go to university. Um, and while I was having my last child... And um, just so not to waste time. And so I did my um, psychology degree during that time. And about three quarters of the way through it, I went, you know, I, I don't really want to work with the unwell. Um, I'm not, I'm empathetic, but I'm, I'm not very high on the sensitivity scale. So, you know, for me, it's a case of, well, if you don't like what's going on, change something, change it, you know, stop doing it. Uh, which a lot of people can't do when they're, you know, the unwell. And so I just decided, well, I don't want to work with um, at the, the, that end of um, psychology. I want to work at the other end. And it just so happened one day I got a newsletter sent to me on the computer and it was about this thing called coaching. And I, and I spent about the next eight hours um, researching what coaching was, which it had been around in America for probably about seven years. Um, in some form or other. I mean, coaching's been around since the beginning of time, but um, you know, as we kind of know it now as as, a, as an industry, uh, mm -hmm. and and very very baby in in Australia, it was you know virtually no one knew anything about it. So um, I was part of the group that had to educate Australians about what coaching was, which was quite exciting. And and so um, I went, wow, this is this is really that that positive end of psychology I can use my psychology to do this coaching thing yeah so that's sort of how it started you know, the psychology informed the coaching um, but probably you know if I hadn't done the degree I probably still would have gone down that path I would imagine mm. you know it's kind of interesting because you know a lot of us as coaches we were faced with questions like well you know you're you, or you're not a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Where do you, you know, when you have to explain the differences between coaching and, and therapy, uh, I would say most coaches that I know uh, don't have the background in psychology that you have. And so I'm wondering, how does that education and background tr uh, help you as a coach? Uh, look, I think it helps me. Um, mm -hmm. in I'm not really sure. I couldn't put my finger on how it helps me. It just means that I have more knowledge about more things. Um, whether I use that uh, in coaching, occasionally, I, you know, I, I'm one of those eclectic coaches which, um, um, heaven forbid, is probably blasphemous to, you know, all the coaching um, schools. Um, I feel that coaching is a tool and it's one of the tools for um, transforming um, people. And, and creating change. It's not the only tool. And so I use many other tools in a coaching session. I will use teaching and I will use, I use hypnosis and um, whatever tool that I've got because I've got a large range of them. Occasionally an assessment, um, you know, sometimes Socratic dialogue, narrative and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm 
really very eclectic in, in I'm not a pure, what I would say, a pure coach. Uh, and I like that um, because that works for me, you know, and I need to do a job that I enjoy and I like. The psychology, how much has that informed me? It has informed me because I, um, initially um, when we were, a group of us got together and there was this argument about, you know, coaching belongs in the field of psychology and then there were the coaches that said, no, it doesn't and then the, the business people said, well, it actually is, you know, in the business world and there's, there's always been this kind of psychology, non-psychologist argument about where it lies. Mm -hmm. um, and sitting on the border of that has been really interesting because it's really... Um, it doesn't really belong anywhere, you know. It's it it, it belongs with with us, you know. It's like where does where does a conversation belong, you know? It belongs between two people, and and that's it. It doesn't belong anywhere. So, um, the psychology part of it has it's taught me, I guess. In the beginning, it taught me to be afraid of, you know, what might come up in the in, in the coaching sessions and to start to define things and to look for things. But then after a while, I realized that um, people won't let you take them anywhere they don't feel you're capable of taking them. And I don't know whether that makes a lot of sense. But but people are smart, you know, and they 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 work out really quickly whether you're a competent person who can deal with the certain issue that they have, and 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 they won't they won't let you play with it if they don't feel safe with you. So as a coach, if you don't have psychology background or psychological knowledge, and you know what does that mean? You're trained psychologist, or you've read a lot of psychology books? Who uh, you know? I don't know. I can't really mm -hmm. be the authority on that. Um, but People will work that out, and I think that's part of coaching is that the assumption that these people are, are not dummies. They know what they want from you, and they'll take what they want from you. you know? um, the thing with psychology, and, and, and probably here's a little um, a bit of teaching. Um, imagine that it's on a continuum, you know, there's a continuum, and, and today we can, we can coach to, in, about now and today, and we can also work in therapy about now and today. If, we, if we're spending a lot more time talking about the past, then that's generally therapy. If we're spending a lot, of time, a lot more time talking about the future, that's generally coaching. So that's kind of like a, a rule of thumb that I just keep in the back of my head. You know, if, it's, if I'm starting to spend a lot of time talking about the past, then, then we need to pull out what's the issue here, what's going on, why, why are we being pulled into the past, what mm. needs to be done here. And then, you know, then there's the future thing. So that's kind of like a rule of thumb for me. That's a very good rule of thumb. Now, this also brings up then like the flip side is, is it possible that not having a background in psychology is, uh, can hold someone back as a coach? Or should coaches start looking to go back to school and add this to their toolbox? Oh, no. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I've know some fantastic coaches in, in fact probably the coaches that I have had and um, respected the most haven't come from psychology they've come from all different fields and I, you know at the end of the day for me it's all about intention it's about you know what is the intention of this coach uh, not what knowledge do they hold because Holding holding knowledge doesn't make you make you brilliant. It doesn't make you a good teacher. It doesn't make you a good coach. It just means that you've got a lot of knowledge in your head. Okay, so um, 
what I what I found is that people who have had experience of life and who have learnt to let go of themselves uh, and their their stuff while they're coaching you uh, have been the best coaches for me. So what I have learnt from my very first coach, um, and Andrew, you might remember me saying this in one of the classes, is that um, as a coach, you need to listen until you don't exist. And while you're existing in the coaching session, then it's still all about you. And so to find a coach that can actually unhook from their own ego and their own agenda is very rare. And for me, that is much more important than whether somebody's got um, you know, a, a psychology degree or a philosophy degree or a business degree or they've been a CEO of a multinational company and they've got all this business expertise. And I, I, I don't think that stuff necessarily makes a good coach. I think it's how you turn up and how much you can turn off your own stuff and be there for somebody else totally um, to me so that, that, that's, that's such a good quote I want to make sure I get this right because I'm actually writing it down so you need to listen until you don't exist yes okay yeah. I like that yeah. and, and I know exactly what you mean because I've, I've I can think back to times where I've been in, in a coaching session with someone where I'm extremely self-aware, mm. and and I'm thinking, you know, well, when is this going to be over? Like, uh, and then I have to like, okay, let me get, let me just let this go until I just become like one with the conversation and not be in that space. And that's when everything changes in the in the session. Absolutely, because then you then you are truly listening at the deepest level that you can listen with no attachments to it. And the, this is where the whole thing around questions comes in. If you are choosing a question or if you're making up a question, you know, the next question in your mind, then you're not listening. So if you listen until you don't exist, the questions just come. They pop out to you. And for those of you who are who are been coaching for a while you'll know this you know a question will come out of your mouth and you'll go and it'll be absolutely the perfect question and later on you'll think where did that come from mm. well it doesn't come from you the perfect questions don't come from you they come through you oh that's brilliant you're giving me lots of juicy little tidbits Good. Yeah, <laughs> it's very good. So I wanted to ask you about um, uh, positive psychology. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned to me earlier when we were speaking about working with what's right with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, positive psychologies emerged um, as Martin Seligman, who is the um, is two things. He he was the um, originator of um, learned helplessness and he studied depression all of his life because he was quite depressed most of his life uh, and probably still is um, and so he actually got so sick of studying depression that he decided to um, instead of studying what's wrong with people he, he decided to look at what's right with people and so what emerged from that was 
the field of positive psychology, which is now quite a recognised field and, and many, many coaches um, are, are, are learning positive psychology. Uh, he's got a he's got a degree, I think, um, maybe a master's or something like that at um, University of Pennsylvania. And, um, and, you know, he, in collaboration with a lot of other people, uh, have created what they call the strengths, the character strengths inventory, which is about uh, looking at people from a strengths perspective. So looking at what um, what's good about people, what's, what, what's your strength, you know, what do you bring to the world naturally? And and let's let's work with that rather than um, working with traditionally in organisations and in life, whether you go to a counsellor or you or you go to a career um, ca- um, career counsellor or whatever. You know what they have tended to do in the past is look at what's what your weaknesses are and try to build up your weaknesses. Well, this is kind of a, a, a turnabout, which is about working with people's strengths, and it's something that. Um, I've been doing for for a while now, um, and probably for quite a long time, but but not knowing it as this. Uh, but now I'm I'm kind of moving more into their um, dialogue around you know the particular strengths of creativity, and this, they they've classified 24 strengths. And the way that it works is that everybody has like every characteristic, you know, everybody has everything in them. Uh, and and we only recognise it, you know, when we come up against somebody who has it or doesn't have it, and we make a judgment around that. Mm. But so, but the strengths, um, the character strengths, um, sometimes called virtues, are the things that we innately have in us. So our talents and our abilities tend to be wrapped around these strengths. So things like bravery or forgiveness, um, leadership is one of them. Teamwork, prudence. There's you know 24 of them, and it's quite fascinating because typically what I do is I get them to go and do this um, a strengths inventory, which is you know quite a robust test. It's 240 questions, and it's been um, quite well validated um, in psychological terms because they're quite rigorous around that. And so you come up with these you know list of character strengths, but each strength is also has a degree of strength. So you can, you know, you'll have your top one all the way down to your 24 strength. But what they, you don't often see, you can do it free on AuthenticHappiness.com. If you go there, there's there's a battery of tests that you can do free. Um, And I direct a lot of my clients there because it is free. Um, What you don't get is sort of the statistics behind it, you know, how strong are you in this this, um, character strength, which is, you know, quite quite important when you're actually digging down into it and working with people so it's quite it's quite fascinating hmm. yeah i've i've uh, participated in something interesting called the strength bombardment exercise i don't know if you've ever heard of this no this is where you it, it only works when you have people who know somebody so you let's say you have a group of people and you're going to have one person and you're going to give them the strength bombardment exercise where uh everybody who's not that person will will uh, write uh, maybe three things on a piece of paper uh, or, or or maybe in a target and, and go and this person then will have those things pinned on him or, or taped to them and there will be things that are uh, strengths what's something I see great in you type mm-hmm. of a thing that mm-hmm. you are. It could be any of those 24 or whatever else somebody else is thinking of. You, you are 
a, a, a great listener. You are uh, a, a wonderful father, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's usually what happens is the person who's on the receiving end of that is often very unaware of how they're perceived in such ways by other people. And it's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. The, the nonconformist in me is uh-huh. going, you know, uh, that's such a, that's a, playing with the ego. There's so much. Um, mm. Because, you know, we see in other people that which we uh, either like or dislike in ourselves. So, so when, when, when you pin something on somebody else, that's your judgment of them, it has more to do with you than it does to have with them because we see people as not as they are but as we are through our filters. And so it's kind of interesting. Like you could probably put anything on anybody, you know. Uh, and and um, Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it really works unless it's with people who really know you. Yeah. Like I've done it in, like a, in fairly intimate groups of people where everybody really knows each other well enough to be able to say something you know, make a, a some sort of characteristic about them, yeah. not just making it up. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's a, that's a great exercise. I mean, what do you do with that once you've done it? Though, you know, and and this is probably one of the things that I'm um, working on this year is, um, uh, particularly with assessments. I don't use a lot of assessments um, mm-hmm. anymore um, because. What do you do with an assessment after you've done it? It's the work. And this is why coaching is such a valuable tool because for many, many years, I mean, you think about how much money has been spent in corporate, the corporate world doing MBTs and, you know, all these different assessments on managers and leaders and then nothing's done after it. So, you know, so this is who I am, so what? You know, what, what do we do with that, you know? Um, if it's not followed by coaching, then you know really it's pointless because the majority of people are not skilled to do anything with it. You know they can see it. It's like having a goal, and then you know it takes a lot of energy to 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 write a goal down and actually fulfil it. You know to actually stick, get into action and do something about it. You know? Well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I think in, in in the case of these kinds of things is it, any, anything where it can uncover something that's, that wasn't necessarily known and that can be useful. Well, sure. You know, I mean, it, um, from, from a spiritual aspect, um, you know, simp- simply languaging something is often, you know, creating awareness about it is often a way of uh, fixing something or dealing with it or, or unhooking from it or detaching from it or, you know, whatever. Well, I have, a, I have a friend of mine who, um, are you familiar with the book, What Color Is Your Parachute? Yes. He's been around for many, many years. And, and oh, 20-something years ago, he read that book, and he determined one of the, his strong suits that he was able to see where there's some possibility for him in business, and he wound up going into catering. And it was nowhere related to what, he was doing at the time. He never thought of catering as a possibility, but it's so fit the things that were turned up from this book that he was able to completely change what he was doing, find something that completely suited him, gave him a lot of happiness, and gave him a lot of success. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that book from memory, because I read that a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago, uh, it does 
look at strengths. It does look at talents and abilities and say, you know, get, getting you to focus, which is what positive psychology, um, you know, it's positive psychology is about, you know, what makes people happy rather than what makes people sad. And, um, and in terms of we've taken that on board in a way, uh, many corporate organisations have this thing called uh, um, engagement scores where they look at um, how engaged is a worker with their job role, you know, with the work that they're actually doing. And um, what this is um, one of the things that positive psychology t um, teaches is about engagement. Engagement is taking your strengths, talents and abilities and applying them to something that is quite challenging. And in that moment, we get engaged with it because it's a match, it's a good match. But also what happens is that flow, the term flow um, by Sikhsenkami Kaley, um, he, he says that we lose track of time. When we're, that, when we're in that engagement place, we actually lose track of time and space and we can do it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours um, without eating or sleeping or, you know... Um, bodily functions. Going. Absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like there's where our energy, um, we, we're given energy in this time when we're totally engaged and that most workers don't have this engagement in their roles. Interestingly enough, we will stay in a job if we are using our strengths, talents and abilities only 10% of the time. Wow, that seems like a. It should be a very opposite number. Yeah, yeah, but you know we're just. It's easier to you know as long as we get that need met. You know, sometimes I think humans are quite mm. easy to please in many ways. <laughs> you know? you, you, you take, just reminded me perhaps, of. Hmm. You just reminded me of when I was uh, thirteen. I decided I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And I was really kind of obsessed with the idea. I was a big Beatle fan, and I, I actually I'd been playing. I was a tr I played trumpet in school, and everybody was in a band. You know, 1969, 1970, and everybody was was in a band. But there was no place for a trumpet player. You had to be a guitar player, or a bass player, or a drummer, or a singer. And I I just had to learn learn how to play guitar, and I, and I actually taught myself. And it was I was so engaged would be the word that I. Uh, I didn't, you know, I rarely ate or slept. I mean, I'd be up all night and just locked myself in my room and trying to figure this out hour after hour after hour. And there's and, and those are things you couldn't pay me to do uh, many things the way that I did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and y you're usually very good at it. You know, they're usually the, it's you, you master it quite quickly. That 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 sense of engagement and and as you said, be will you know, be willing to not I didn't have, didn't need to eat or sleep uh, the way that you would. And you're doing something that you're not that engaged in, and you just like when's lunchtime? Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. So um, your current. Company, tell me more about what what you fellows are doing. You fellows, what do you what do you what yeah, is what's that? Me and my fellows. Your fellows, 
Yes, fellas. <laughs> Me, myself, and I. Yeah. You, yourself, and I. Oh, is it? Is it? Are you with the uh, other? Are you? Are there other coaches? Uh, no. Well, actually, it's kind of changed. I've, I've basically, I'm a bit of a seagull because what I tend to do is um, a lot of contract work to business schools, and I coach for them, and that's worked for me really well. I've never. Um, up until this point, had a desire to build, you know, a coaching empire, or um, and of course, as, as you know, that I love the teaching side of it, and I'm probably becoming more of a teacher than a coach these days. That's that's my, um, I guess, my purpose is really around teaching, um, and and now I'm stepping into that role more, um, and I'm curious um, about various things so I'm wanting to do a lot more research so I've um, I've been uh, I suppose exposed to the work by Andrew Cohen and um, you know I've done work with Spiral Dynamics and um, Don Beck and and really starting to look at um, what it is that I, ne- I want to do for the rest of my life you know it's kind of um, uh, it's a it's an evolutionary leap for me because you know five years ago I had no spiritual beliefs whatsoever and and now not that I'm you know I'm I have no um, religious beliefs but you know everything I see is the more you study any particular topic you know it it takes you to the magnificent and um, and and for me you know it's kind of taken me to on that sort of spiritual journey about. Um, um, a, a quest, really, and and so you know, I've never wanted to be one of those people that um, go and sits in a monastery and meditates for a month, and or or you know, I, I really like my worldly goods. <laughs> I mm. like my car. I like going to the beach in the morning, you know, and and living in a um, a beautiful house, and and I like and traveling the world, and I, I like all that stuff, and I never wanted to give it up, you know, which I thought well. Maybe I have to give that up to be a truly spiritual person. But, you know, um, thank goodness for Andrew Cohen, I found that, well, actually, I don't have to do that. You know, you can choose to do that. But, you know, another way to enlightenment is really through um, becoming, which is about being um, being a creative evolutionary, which is um, uh, uh, being creative and, and, and supporting other people to step into their creative impulse, which is like... Uh, the creative impulse is like the impulse in a seed that knows that it needs to grow into a tree and bear fruit and flowers. We have that within us as well. And, uh, you know, whereas um, if you're not put in the right soil and you're not given the right fertilizer and the right um, context, uh, you, you may never bear that fruit and you may never grow into a healthy tree. So, um, so what I you know I had to make the decision you know which kind of spirituality do I want to go into and I went well I don't want to give up my worldly goods I want to go into this creative one and funnily it it matches my strength and so what I've decided and and I'm on the path of doing is creating um, the creative evolution um, the organization which is um, going to research um, how creativity shows up you know in people's lives so a part of this has come from my own experience of my life around having my strength thwarted, you know, not being able to be creative. What happens to me when my strength is not what I'm using all the time? And, and, and so um, I, I got depressed for about four years. This is kind of like uh, when I was doing psychology, funnily enough, um, and just before when I was studying. And, um, 
and when I look back on that time it was a time where actually I couldn't be creative in my life and so my strength of creativity and curiosity and perception was actually thwarted it was squashed and and that was what made me depressed you know it wasn't so much my what was going on around me it was just I wasn't able to use these things which are me you know so so doing some research around that about um you know how um not using your strengths actually takes you to a state of depression um which you know well, let's see where that goes and the other part of um the business is really around teaching um, the virtues online, so you know, much the same way Andrew we did at ICA, which is um, teleclasses, mm-hmm. um, teaching the, the the strengths in module um, around that and looking at different ways um, interventions. That because at the moment you know there's not a lot of the interventions uh, out there to build strengths like um, you know how do you build <coughs> bravery? How do you build um, honesty? How do you how do you build Prudence, for example, you know, or self-regulation. Uh, you know, ha- and, and self-regulation. What we find with the strengths um, survey is that our the lower strengths sabotage the higher strengths. So something like if you have low self-regulation, it gets in the way of you of your of your um, higher strengths, and we so, we sabotage ourselves. Self-regulation. Self-regulation is a strength. Yeah. So you know, self-discipline. Ah, okay, got pretty it. low. You know, it's on the it's on the low end for pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, or 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 prudence. You know, caution. Sometimes that's that's my lowest is caution because I just go gung ho. You know, that looks good. Let me do that. Yeah, <laughs> I used you're to, when I was fearless. <laughs> when I was fifteen, I used to dive in the in the sea world and and feed the sharks three times a day, you know, and I look at that now and you, you can't do that anymore, you know, it's you, it, there's not enough insurance to allow you to do it and <laughs> it's so funny, I just, you know. And today you put your right arm to do that, and actually you would. Yeah, <laughs> nice, Andrew. <laughs> oh, thank you. I didn't have to. I didn't have to. They were all very kind to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, at listening to this last, few minutes of you i actually i actually see uh something i might want to offer a challenge sure uh for you to have something that comes out of this that will be you speaking at the ted conference yeah yeah isn't that fantastic that's yeah it is and i could actually i just like it just fell into my mind you speaking at ted wow that's impressive yeah, I'm on, I'm on it. <laughs> so uh, that's, so now I, I I would like to challenge you. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's a, that's a, that's a perfect idea. That's you know, um, the whole thing around um, working with depression, you know, mm-hmm. um, from a different angle, from a you know non drugs, non environmental, you know, um, we're broken kind of people. Uh, and now it's it, like, I, I can fix it so quickly. Uh, uh, that whole thing. The minute I start to feel, you know, I'm going down, I, I look at what's going on and I go, "Yep, that's because I'm I'm not in a creative space." Now mm. I think creativity has a huge. Um, generally, I think humidity, uh, um, creativity, plays a huge part in our sense of joy and happiness. And you know, it is said that. Um, Joy can only come up, joy and bliss can only come up when we're being truly creative. 
Um, and I think that that's very true. Me having that as a strength, you know, it's a double bind, really. <laughs> you know, like I've got to be in that creative space all the time. You know, There's, that's why, you know, I can't plan a teaching session. I can't plan things. I have to actually just step into it and go with it. You know, uh, and 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 you know, I would really truly like to do something. Um, that it, it makes a difference in the world uh, like that, you know, and, and if this if this does it, then, then great. And it's not about me doing it. It's actually the way that I want it to happen is that I want other people to do it. So uh, um, I've got a lot of coaches that I've trained over the years who are wanting to do the research. You know, they, they're going to take their strengths and do the research and they're going to claim, you know, the... Um, the kudos around that it's not about mm. me doing it it's about them learning about their own strength and also teaching that to other people you know which is what creative evolution is learning and then teaching it to somebody else so that they're better off that's okay, our so role this, that's why we're this, here this, true so does this mean that it will not be you speaking at TED or does it I'm very well, serious about that, by the way. It it doesn't really matter then, does it? You know, uh, um, what will be will be. You know. Okay. No, but I I would like to actually uh, maybe dare you to say yes. <laughs> yes, I'd love to. Okay. What what year? Oh, Andrew, I don't know. I you know, for me, I think it's only a few years away, three years. Uh, so, uh, uh, twenty thirteen. Twenty. 2013, yeah, you know, after the world's blown up in 2012. Yeah, assuming we get past 2012. (laughs) Of course we'll get past 2012. Yes, well, I have my Mayan calendar up on the wall now. Yeah, good. Well, you're another person that's going to try and end the Earth. You know, it's all about collect. Go and read the stories about you know monkeys and collective, the Jungian stories about you know collective consciousness. Uh, I I I think that's all. I think that's all just. I don't know. Too many, too many movies. No, the whole thing with the uh, the 2012 and oh. and people are getting caught up in that now. Yeah, but you know, the end of the world is not. You know, it, it's like you know when we when we read the Bible, we've got to remember that you know a town had might have had 15 people in it in those days. <laughs> you know, and and um, a. a it took years to get from one place to another, and, um, and and so the way that people spoke in those days were, you know, they were storytellers as well, and they um, they missed out all those bits about time and distance and volume and and all of that stuff. So um, just as the Mayans, you know, must have done as well. Not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that stuff, but um, it's, you know. We've got to be careful that we don't we stay in context and don't get caught up in the details, you know. Whether it's you know, twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, you know, what's the matter? You know, or you know, maybe it's thirty twelve, you know. <laughs> well, I hope I'm around in thirty twelve. Yeah. Well you know, maybe maybe part of you will be, huh? There was a, a very famous uh series of records called the 2000 year old man i don't know if you i don't know if that made its way to australia no oh no. well it might but i haven't 
uh, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. It was back in the early 60s. And the, the records are still available. You can go into any uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon uh, Barnes & Noble bookstore, and they have the whole collection of them. And it was <laughs> Mel Brooks as this man who has been alive for 2,000 year, years and asking he's – he's asked all these questions like, how did you survive and what's the secret of life? And, and it's you know it's very 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 funny stuff. So why not thirty thirty twelve? I could be the next two thousand year old man. Yeah. Well, you know, why not? Why I've been not? saying that for four or five hundred years as it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're bloody good looking for your age, well, Andrew. <laughs> thank you. I say it's all the vitamins. <laughs> Really, what does it? Clean, clean living. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, what can I say? I, know, I, I, you know, I, I, I can, I can say on a radio program. <laughs> oh, it's it's all good. You can say anything you want here. I'm good. Yeah, I'm it's good. really I'm bad. Behi- I can always edit I'm, it out. I'm being behaved. Okay. Well, thank you. So, what's what's uh, the next big thing for you? Um. The the next big thing is really around the research about getting um, getting clear around the research that I, I want to do, and um, and also gathering people who want to be part of it, you know, and um, part of you know the organisation that I'm mm-hmm. creating, which you know um, is definitely if you know I mean you know me Andrew, it, it, it's not about me I never want it to be about me uh, you know it's just that it, it think stuff happens to come through me but you know um, I, I like to stay ordinary and um, in the background of things and and I think that it's it's going to give people particularly coaches um, because I think I've met lots of special people along the way while I've been teaching in the last five or six years um, who have Talent and ability, uh, and and perhaps this is one of the ways that they can have that recognised, and 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 also about getting them focused on um, becoming a creative evolutioner. You know, about really being conscious about why. Well, you know, while I'm here, I want to create something that's going to be part of evolution and part of humanity, and and um, do something that is, uh, in a sense, great. You know. Mm. Mm. What 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 is this, what is this type of what does this person look like the the people that you're gathering? Uh, it's not for me to choose. It's for them to choose. It's a bit like you know, when the teacher's ready, the student will appear. Mm. That's I've always taken that um, focus, Andrew. Oh, that's the opposite of what everybody else says. <laughs> of course, I'm a non-conformist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why would I hunt the people? Why would I hunt? Yeah, why would I hunt people down? I'll let them hunt me down. It's much easier. You know, I'm lazy. <laughs> oh, okay. So where do, where where do I sign up? Yeah, well, Andrew, you've already signed up. Ah. I'm afraid. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you're, you're one of my little. Well, one of mine. I, that's that's horribly um, indignant and ignorant, isn't it? Um, but you're one of my favourites that I'd like to have. You know, join with me in the journey. Of well, wow! I, I am yeah. thrilled, honored, and surprised. And thank you. Yeah. That was that was an unexpected bonus here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
this is a fantastic medium, I have to say. It really is. I mean, you, I mean, you have to realize that okay, you and I are what six thousand miles apart, eight thousand miles apart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, how many hours? You're, it's in the middle of the day for you. It's yeah. almost late at night for me. Ten thirty, yeah. And this was was not possible not too many years ago. Yeah. Even even an, as an idea, like oh come on, that don't be crazy. The, the costs involved just a few years ago to do something like this would have been astronomical. Yeah. The, this this cost what it didn't cost me anything to do this show, to have this mm-hmm. this gift that's given to us, the technology. I mean, it's just really sometimes mind-boggling to think where we've gone in such a short period of time. Yeah, and and that is creative evolution. Because somebody's created this opportunity, you know, apart from you, but the person who created the technology about it, and then you've created the opportunity, and then there is the opportunity for people to take whatever they can from our dialogue, uh, and and go and learn something else, you know, and and so that is creative evolution, and. It's about us being really conscious about that as being creative evolution rather than just doing it and turning up and saying, oh, this is something I want to do and I want to get my name out there and blah, blah, blah. But see it from a contextual perspective about really see it for what you're doing. You know, that, that it's like the teaching. It's, you know, you can turn up as a teacher or you can turn up as a creative evolutionist and say, mm. you know, I'm here to grow humanity. I'm here to take my part in evolution for whatever, you know, whatever part that counts. And a lot of people feel that, you know, that's done when you've had your kids, um, you know, or you've um, raised, you know, some puppies or you've, you know, grown a veggie car. It doesn't matter how you do it, but you have to keep doing it. It's never finished. It's a, it's a, you know, like all our life we need to be in this creative evolutionary space. You know, we need to keep creating and giving back, creating and giving back. It never stops, you know, even the day we die. You know, we're evolving the world because people behind us have been left with an experience of us and a feeling and that feeling goes on past our death and they are evolving, you know, so... It's important to see our role in the world and and to actually take up the mantle of that role um, or not, you know. Uh, The majority of the people don't because they think that, well, we've just got this this little bit, you know, where we, this window of opportunity where we can be creative and if they don't do it in that that time, then they kind of give up on themselves and, and humanity. But, you know, if you're growing a veggie garden, and you're sharing those vegetables with your neighbours, you know, and you're talking about it with your neighbours, and your and your kids are watching you do that, and you're that's creative evolution. Creative evolution. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Me too. It excites me. It and keeps I, me moving forward, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still and I still remember. Um, when there was nothing more than rotary dial phones. <laughs> I have one in my bedroom. Do you? <laughs> yes, I have one from when I was a child, and it broke down, and they put a new one in, and I said, I, you know, the Bakelite, the beginning of plastic? 
Oh yeah, sure. The first, the first uh, sort of plastic that was ever made was Bakelite. Yeah, I have one of those phones. And, and record players and TVs that was only, with only five channels on them. And yeah, I and still no have. A, I still have that. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I don't watch TV. Ah, uh, okay. I don't read newspapers and I don't watch TV. Well, you know, the, uh, news, in newspapers, uh, somebody once said that reading the newspaper is uh, like, uh, and, I, and bear with me, I'm going to have an expletive here, but somebody once said reading the newspaper is like shopping for shit. Yeah. And uh, that's always stuck in my head. And the people who uh, have to watch the news before they go to bed, and I think that's the last thing I want to take to bed with me, is that stuff. And if I really need to hear it, it's going to be there in the morning anyway. Absolutely. There yeah. was, in fact, a, a great, 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 great cartoon in a newspaper mm-hmm. where they had two archaeologists had uncovered uh, a stone newspaper from thousands of years ago, like the first mm. newspaper. And one says, are you able to translate it? And it says, yes, it says, trouble in the Middle East. <laughs> That's the headline. <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, and some things stay the same. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't read the newspaper for probably, you know, occasionally when I'm traveling, I'll pick up a financial review or, you know, something. Um and you know, I haven't really, I haven't bought and read a newspaper for probably almost twenty years now, and I don't watch news on television, even local news on television, and it it hasn't really made a difference to my life other than I'm don't have to sit down and watch it and read newspapers, you know. So people will tell you if there's something important happening in the world. You'll find out. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you live in a place like New York, you you can't walk more than a minute and a half before hearing all the headlines. Mm. Gosh. People are just going to talk about it. The good, bad, and the news that we don't really need to know, like what's going on with Tiger Woods. Yeah, because that's so important. It's very important. But, you know, because it is. You know, I need to know what's going on with Tiger Woods. I mean, it's very, you know, how can I possibly have a a, a business without knowing this? <laughs> how can I be expected to coach somebody rationally without being able to say, but well, Tiger Woods? Yeah. Can't do it. But, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, if you look at it from a contextual point of view, that all that stuff, what what that's doing is actually changing our culture because culture culture is is... The way that a, that a that a group of people solve their problems, and so they create a culture that solves their problems, and so um, clearly, what's happening from the few bits of you know news that I've seen is that these sorts of situations, um, particularly in Australia, we have them with our footballers, um, and and they are almost crucified for making a mistake. And particularly if they've done, you know, something against women, they, they're really, you know, vilified, and and they just lose everything, you know. Um, and so for me, if I look at it from a contextual um, situation or place, it's really about we are in in that dialogue. We're changing our culture. We're saying what we will and won't tolerate. Um, 
and it's it's kind of interesting to to observe not to be necessarily to be a participant with but to observe how we are changing our culture you know mm. using people's behaviors and their their misdemeanors and their you know all that sort of stuff um yeah it is kind of interesting for me being you know curious <laughs> you curious yeah <laughs> yes i believe you are so, uh, believe it or not, we're down to our last couple of minutes of our show. Mm-hmm. So now will be a good time if there's anything you'd like to uh, let people know about, uh, your, whether it's your website or how to get in touch with you or anything you're up to. Um, well, I, I guess probably the, the website's in, in uh, process at the moment, so okay. the Creative Evolution one's in process. The, the best way to contact is contact me uh, would be um, at Angela sorry, Angela at Cornerstone Coaching or one word, dot com dot au um, or even via you Andrew, I guess you can always pass something on if you if that's alright with you. Oh absolutely and I, yeah. I, I do have the link uh, to your site on the show page so if anybody yeah. is listening to this sure. you'll see it right there. Yep. Um, or LinkedIn, and I'm on Facebook, and you know most, of, quite a lot of the f- social media places. So if anyone wants to contact me regarding the evolutionary stuff, or you know being part of the research, um, I'd be really, really grateful if they wanted to be part of that, you know, and take ownership of their own strengths. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Angela, I want to thank you for uh, being on Coach's Corner today and also acknowledge you for having been one of my teachers in coaching school. So any of my clients, if you're listening, this is one of the people responsible for creating me as a, a, as a good coach. The magnificence of Andrew. The magnificence of Andrew. Actually, there's a, that's a Karen Capello's uh, magnific- magnificent coach, Andrew, whenever she sends an email to you, it's always magnificent coach. Yes. And I, I associate her with that. And there's, um, what's his name? Lou Diabo uh, with the, uh, uh, and, my, and that's my win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, that's about it. Um, and can I just say how sure. honored I am to have, you know, participated today and for you giving me the opportunity to to be here and to and to speak to you again. After such a long time, it's wonderful to connect. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I suspect we will be speaking more because uh, apparently I'm signed up, so I'm excited. You are. (laughs) We'll talk more. Yes, we will. Okay, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back next week, Thursday, and I look forward to hearing you next week. Thank you, and good night. Good night.